brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark and saw the stone removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, they've taken the Lord from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloth there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloth there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple came in, the one who arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Working at Montclair State University as the Catholic University chaplain continues to be a very unique experience, not the least of which is encountering and getting to know and working with people of every religion, including some which I had never even heard of before coming to MSU, like Baha'i, for example. Well, a few years ago, I was excited to participate in the Passover Seder with the the Jewish student group on campus called Hillel which was led by this very devout Jewish professor who also had this tremendous knowledge and this deep appreciation of Christianity. So he was sure to highlight some meaningful things that for Christians like myself and some of our students would find interesting. And it was such a profound experience I had never been to before. And to participate in this ritual that was over 3,000 years old, and that over 2,000 years ago, Jesus and his 12 apostles would have been celebrating as his last supper before his passion, death, and resurrection. Not long after that, though, I had this conversation with the professor who very clearly identified that he was Jewish, but that he was an atheist. Now, I've learned very quickly at Montclair State not to ask too many questions, There are way too many spiritual landmines that you can wade into in this very secular environment. And as a Catholic priest, I'm aware of those times and even times that you could be accused of being judgmental or or something in an attempt to be canceled. So I just kept my mouth shut. But in subsequent meetings and interactions with this professor, we were able to become, I wouldn't say friends, but friendly acquaintances. So a year later, I was kind of taken aback when he dropped in the middle of a conversation that he and his family were going to a Passover Seder. Those of you who know me know I don't have much of a poker face. So he's like, Father Jim, you know I'm Jewish. And I said, yeah, I just didn't know as an atheist you'd be celebrating Passover. 
And he explained that it was more of a cultural thing, a familial thing that he felt connected to. The thought that this was something that connected him to his parents and his grandparents, his great-grandparents, the connection to relatives lost in the Holocaust and other trials and struggles that he hadn't researched deeper but imagined were a part of his family story. And I was kind of fascinated about it and appreciated his sharing this deeply personal thing, so I, I went for it, and I just asked, don't you see God's hand in all that, though? And it was the saddest thing, because he only saw the trials and the sufferings and the oppressions and felt connected to that. For him, Passover, where the Jews were freed from slavery, it was something like a lucky break that they had gotten that had become this elaborate myth in people's minds that they just held on to. And I kind of resisted going any further in the conversation or asking any follow-up questions, but then he added very interestingly, I guess there's a part of me that wants to believe it's true. What's even harder to believe as a Catholic priest is how many atheists celebrate Easter. What do I mean by that? For some... They see Easter as something that they connect to on a cultural level. Particularly for us, with no offense to our Jewish friends, we have much better food as Easter. Whether you're Irish, you're Polish, you're certainly Italian, we have much better food. Or that we have deep family memories and traditions that are connected to it that people try to maintain. But that they have this hard time believing Jesus Christ, fully human and fully divine. They would believe that he lived, and yet that he died, but that three days later he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven 40 days later, that seems too good to believe. It seems, for some Christians, it's not so different than that Jewish atheist. The trials, the sufferings, the oppression, those are easier to accept for human beings, probably because they're so relatable, aren't they? Whether it's something we see on our screens or real-time in our own neighborhoods and homes. Whether it's something unprecedented and historic like a global pandemic or scenes of war in Ukraine or more common but equally as diabolical examples of abuse or anger and hatred we see closer to home. Whether it's the sickness of others or an illness we're struggling with. Whether it's death itself taking friends and loved ones from us. Palm Sunday, Good Friday is very relatable. Mm -hmm. Easter just seems too good to be true. But part of the reason it seems too good to be true is because too many treat it just like a story, like an elaborate myth that has blown up in people's minds and imaginations in the 2,000 years since. And that's why these, these readings are so powerful to me and to consider in particular one individual for sure to focus on. And that's Simon Peter. Think about what happened just in a couple chapters earlier in the Gospel of John. Simon Peter, who had been one of Jesus' closest friends, the one who he had called the rock on which Jesus is going to build his church, effectively making Peter the first pope, Peter promises Jesus at the Last Supper, he's going to do anything for Jesus. He would go where he would go. He would even die to protect Jesus. 
to a few hours later, he's falling asleep while Jesus is praying in agony in Gethsemane. To moments later, waking up and seeing things unfold, taking a sword and cutting off a guard's ear as they had come to arrest Jesus, which Jesus has to stop his arrest and fraternally correct him, telling him once again, as he had several times earlier, that he had to suffer and die in order to destroy sin and death and ultimately to rise. As much as Peter had followed Jesus and listened to him and loved him, in a lot of ways, it sounded too good to be true. And now he sees Jesus being arrested, having been betrayed by Judas, who's one of the 12, who would have been like a brother to Simon Peter. None of this makes sense. Evil seems to be on the march. Things seem to be spiraling out of control. Jesus is being marched around and mocked and ridiculed after days earlier just being welcomed as the long-awaited Messiah, a king. So Simon Peter is shocked and horrified, maybe even questioning himself. Why did he follow Jesus in the first place? But then all those things Jesus said, all those miraculous things he did that Peter himself had witnessed, He's remembering them. He's trying to to reconcile all that with Jesus' silence now in the face of these liars, these unjust accusers. And he's so turned inward that as Simon Peter is watching all this unfold from a, a bit of a distance, as these nameless individuals come upon him and say, aren't you one of his followers? His impulse, his fear just makes him say no. He doesn't even realize it till the sound of a cock crowing echoes that Jesus' devastating prediction that Simon Peter himself would deny him has now come true. And that's the last we heard of of Simon Peter in in, in this gospel until today. The brutality of the cross, the death, the finality of the tomb, the agonizing silence, And here it is, the third day. And Mary Magdalene comes back, having gone to the tomb in mourning and finding the stone has rolled away. Simon Peter hears this news and is probably thinking, this is just another desecration, another horror after what's been a horrifying few days. He's thinking it's another atrocity, as if anything worse could have been done to Jesus. And as he's running to the tomb, after these two days of abject sorrow, two days of obsessing over his failure, two days of playing over and over and over again what I did, what I didn't do. And that's when Simon comes on the scene. And that's what makes it so dramatic. The stone is rolled away. And he sees the burial cloths are wrapped in a separate place. This wasn't some loose towel. This was like a linen that had been wrapped around the body of Jesus like a mummy and and covered in myrrh, kind of like an embalming glue. Had someone come to steal a body, they would have knocked the Roman guards out and would have simply run with the body. They wouldn't have carefully rolled it and folded the cloths up. We expect to hear this dramatic encounter with the risen Christ, which in truth will come later. But Easter starts with us seeing Simon Peter 
coming onto the scene and trying to take all this in. And the gospel ends with that reflection. They did not yet understand the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. Pope Francis put it very beautifully. Easter begins by upsetting our expectations. It comes with a gift of hope that surprises and amazes us, yet it's not easy to welcome that gift. At times, we must admit, this hope does not find a place in our hearts. Easter happened. Jesus had risen from the dead. Whether they believe in that or not would be a choice for them and for each and every one of us as well. Yes, it's very easy for us to recount Good Friday and to relate to the betrayals and the pains and the sufferings. It's easy for us to find others to unite with and commiserate and join the chorus of the world that sees the latest examples of the devil's handiwork and people who cooperate in those works of darkness. It takes courage to be Easter people, to not simply utter some distant hope that wants it to be true, and instead open our hearts to the wonder and the amazement of these witnesses. Like Peter, to yes, acknowledge our sorrows and our failures and our sins, but to still go to the tomb, believing in God's extraordinary message of triumphing over death, to see how our God continues to call us out of our own tombs of brokenness, of indifference, of unbelief, and see how Christ risen from the dead, God brings new life, and even more importantly, calls us to new life, calls us to experience his freedom and to bring his freedom, calls us to experience his healing and to bring his healing, calls us to experience his forgiveness and to offer his forgiveness and most especially the cause to experience his eternal love and to offer his love. It's when we dare to believe these witnesses that Easter moves from something that we just do, a cultural, a family thing, something that we want to believe in, and instead we begin to encounter the risen Christ here in our midst ourselves. Happy Easter. Easter.